Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Starting from Psalms 24 this morning, we started a a lesson last week uh, entitled Christian Living. And so we want to go on and talk about that today. There are some here this morning that are probably sore and tired. We have we had four four ladies out of the church. And I, Mikey's just sore because he sat on the bleachers. But we have, we have four ladies in the church that was involved in the softball tournament yesterday, women's softball tournament. And uh, some of them played as much as five games. And uh, so, but they all last single, every single one of them are here. And so it doesn't do my heart any better than to know that they could give hours of time. Uh, I know I should, we were started over there at 10. I, personally, I was over there at 10 and left whatever time I had to leave. I had a, a meeting at 7 last night. And so all those hours and still show up at church. Because that does my heart well. Uh, because it, I would, it would just hurt me to think that they could dedicate themselves to softball. And not turn around to dedicate themselves to the house of God. But all four of them are here today. And so that doesn't just make me happy as a pastor. That makes heaven happy. That makes the Lord happy. Amen. The the prioritizing of things there. And so just thankful for that and uh, such. So Psalms 24. And we're going to read. Uh, verse 3 and 4, just kind of get a start. We're talking about Christian living. We, we kind of defined holiness last week, talked about how God was holy, His commands, everything that emanates from Him is holy. His people, therefore, are holy. We talked about attaining holiness, right? About how that has really been imputed or granted to us, first and foremost. And this is something that I'll probably drive home over and over again because this is the big rock, okay? This is the big idea that He's given this to us. Not ask this necessarily to produce it, but to keep it, to maintain it, to safeguard it. All right. And so uh, we do so. And so we're going to continue talking this morning uh, about holiness, uh, basically the two dimensions of it, uh, the external, the internal, two dimensions of personal holiness. Psalms chapter 24 and verse 3 and 4. I just read this last Sunday night as a part of the message. Who shall ascend into the heel of the Lord? Who shall ascend to the heel of the Lord? For who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands. Someone say outside. And a pure heart. Someone say inside. Who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. We're going to continue talking today about Christian living. Amen. We'll go to the Lord right now. I ask that he would help us. Sometimes we need, well, not sometimes, but all times, we need the Lord to open our hearts and our minds to his word. All right? Uh, Sometimes things that are spoken from his word, just like things that can be spoken from another individual in your life, whenever you hear it, it may touch a spot in your life that you can, it's possible, become automatic defensive over just the mention of it. And so we need to ask the Lord to help us keep our defenses down and just be accepting to the word of the Lord. Because we know this concerning the Lord. He's not going to bring anything into our lives that he really is intentionally trying to hurt us with. 
He has our best interests in mind. Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray, oh God, today for your people. God, for those who are here and God have made effort to be in the house of God today. Lord, to have come and center their lives around you to take this pause, this one out of seven, to stop, Lord, with the other events of life and turn their lives toward worship. I pray, oh God, grant them, Lord, strength. Grant them, Lord Jesus. God, health, Lord, grant them, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, some enlightenment today from your word. Help guide and direct our lives. We'll give ourselves over to you for it. In the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. And so, within Psalms, it kind of approaches the subject, and yet it is there in New Testament, Old Testament, throughout the Bible, that there are primarily uh, two dimensions of, of personal holiness taking on two forms. There is an inward purity, and there is an outward purity. And it does seem as though one may affect the other or have impact upon the other. Jesus, uh, to illustrate this to a certain degree, used an illustration of a cup and a platter in the New Testament scripture. He said in Matthew 23 and verse 25 through 26, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. He's quite forthright here. He says, hypocrites. Right. Someone that's uh, um, putting themselves forth as something that they really are not Uh, for ye make. He says, clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. He says, thou blind Pharisee cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter that the outside of them may be clean also, and so Jesus here in this particular setting of scripture, he is in many means and ways condemning or rebuking the Pharisees uh, because they are again showcasing as though they are something that they are not. And as a result of that, note now that we need not to interpret scripture like this as some have interpreted. Well, he's he's condemning He's condemning then their outward holiness because you cleaned the outside of the cup and the platter. He's condemning their outside holiness. Amen. Or maybe some would even say no. He was condemning their inside, lack of inside holiness because they had the outside all right, but so on and so forth. But what we need to really consider right here is that uh, Jesus condemned the Pharisees for their lack of inside rather than their outside holiness, okay? He, he wanted them to understand that there was a requirement of the inside and of the outside. Sometimes in society today, people have the, the saying, well, God just cares what's on your heart. He just cares about what's inside your heart. Well, and they've used various scriptures to uh, try to underscore that. One from the Old Testament, I think, is a popular one that uh, many people use to regard that. It's 1 Samuel chapter number 16, whenever uh, Jesse uh, was there and Samuel went to the house of Jesse to anoint one of his boys king. And he has different ones that is parading before him uh, to anoint them to be king. And uh, 1 Samuel 16 and 6 says, And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab, which was the eldest son of Jesse, and said, this is Samuel said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. 
But the Lord then spoke to Samuel and said, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And some people are like, see there, the Lord just cares about what's on your heart. They've totally misconstrued the scripture. The scripture is just basically telling us the Lord can see what man can't see. Huh? No man can see the heart of another man except through what is expressed through the out skirts of that man you don't know their attitude till it's expressed in some form or fashion or it's expressed in an expression right it's just basically telling us it's not that just God cares about the heart but God can be see beyond the facade to the depths of the heart his extents of sin and acknowledging goes beyond all of those things and ways. And so Jesus specifically said, notice now, he's not like catering to one and refusing the other here in the cup and platter thing. He said plainly to the Pharisees, and you can put it back up if you want there, Brother uh, Zach, Matthew 23, verses, verse number 26. He said, cleanse, everybody say first. Priority. Cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that, and it's almost like there's going to be a, a progression here, a cause-effect type of situation here, that the outside of them may be clean also. He says, but first clean the outside. And so there, there is a difficulty even in our Christian life sometimes if people's wanting to try to clean the outside of the proverbial club cup and platter first when the inside has not yet been cleaned uh, because that many times will come to a place where the outside of the cup and platter is going to get dirty again all right he says but first cleanse the inside of the cup and platter that the outside of them may be clean also what we see really in christian living are about four different dynamics that have the possibility of taking place that is you can have a dirty outside and a clean inside. You can have a dirty outside and you can have a dirty inside. You can have a clean outside and a dirty inside. Everybody following all these? You can have a outside that's clean and an inside that is clean. And so true holiness, though, according to the Lord, Christian living, he says first starts on the inside. Bishop has taught this for years. And then it progresses to the Outside, And so Jesus, again, is not preference one or the other, but both can be clean and both will be pure. Amen. And really, one without the other is lacking to a certain degree. Amen. Holiness Christian living involves, here we go, and we have a lot of scriptural basis for this, and we'll probably use many of them. Uh, holiness is both concerning our body and our spirit. Our body and our spirit. If you'll go with me quickly, and I'm only saying that because I never have enough time. First uh, Corinthians chapter number six and verse number 18 this morning. The Bible states these words in this scripture context. And, and it's talking about a particular sin. It's talking about fornication. But it says flee fornication. I, can, just, just for a moment, will you allow me just to be human? Every time I read that, it, there's a... A little joke says, you know what the smallest sin in the Bible is? Flea fornication. It's, it's spelled differently, F-L-E-A. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> okay. I had to get that off my shoulders. Every time. <laughs> 
Every time I read that, I just think about that. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God. Here it is. In your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Here is something vitally important to think about, even as a Christian. And I know it's stated fornication here, but I believe it is applicable to more than just the sin of fornication. That every sin that a man doth is without the body. Now, it's not to say that you're some celestial being over here that you sinned and your body wasn't. No, 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 no. In the context of the scripture that's speaking about, it's speaking about the body of Christ. Every sin that you commit is not necessarily whenever you have the body, the whole totality of the body along with you. But whenever we do sin, fornication and otherwise, we sin against the body that we're supposed to be a part of. Amen. We sin against the body that we're supposed to be a part of. Because if I'm the hand and the hand does something over here, it also is attached to the arm. Huh? So, so, so we, have, we have taken, in essence, the body into a direction by our decision or choice. We read in the Old Testament, Joshua 7, and I don't know if I'll read those verses of Scripture, Brother Zach, but I may. Amen. But in Joshua chapter number 7, it's talking about where they first entered the land of of Israel, and uh, they had overcome Jericho, and the plea was this, that they, many times it was typical for them to take spoils of their war, but they were not supposed to take these spoils. It was the first city of Canaan that they have come to. These spoils were going to be dedicated unto the Lord, kind of a first fruits, a tithing, if you will, unto the Lord. And so anybody that partook of the spoils, it was considered then the accursed thing because that belonged to the Lord. And so there was one man among Israel by the name of Achan. Many of you remember the story. He partook of a a, a Babylonian garment. He partook of some shekels of silver and a wedge of gold. And you'll remember that Joshua uh, understands that there is something that's not quite right in the camp of Israel. And go on and give me verse 11. I said I wouldn't, but I will. Joshua chapter number 7 and verse number 11. It says, Israel hath sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. Verse number 12. For they have taken of the accursed. For they have taken of the accursed. I'm sorry. Thing and also stolen and disassembled also. Now verse 12. And they, or we'll get to verse 12. And they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, the Bible says, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore, except you destroy the accursed from among you. Now, look, not all Israel had their palms on Babylonian garments and shekels of gold and wedges, uh, wedges of gold and shekels of silver. There was a solitary man that was knitted to Israel, a member of Israel. That partook of the accursed thing. And the Lord says, Israel has sinned. Amen. One man did it, but he brought this conviction of his sin upon the whole nation because he was knitted to that nation. Someone say, 
Amen. And so we, as Christians, we are a part of a body of believers, a body of believers. And so it's important for Christian living to be on the internal, the external, and likewise, because we do, listen, we have impact on one another. We have grand impact on one another. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7, verse number 1, it states these words, and I'm picking a, a phrase here. It says, let us cleanse ourselves. We looked at this before. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the, everybody say, flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And so the cleansing of ourself is just not a spiritual cleansing, but it is a bodily a fleshly cleansing as well in order to perfect or mature ourselves in the holiness of the Lord. First Thessalonians 5 and verse number 23, again, phrase from there, I pray, God, that your host spirit and soul and body be preserved, blameless, which the Greek word there is an old boxing terminology, meaning hopefully that an opponent couldn't get a handle on you, get an upper, uh, uh, upper grab on you. You're trying to prevent them from getting a hold. He says, so I'm praying that your spirit, your soul, and your body are preserved in such a way that no one can get a hold on you until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. A hold in what way? A hold of accusation. A hold of accusation on you. And so holiness involves our entire being. It involves our flesh and our spirit, our soul, and our body body purity on the inside is just as important as purity on the outside amen and so let's go just a little deeper today so we have these two dimensions let's consider just primarily for a moment the first thing to be cleansed that Jesus spoke of concerning the cup and the platter this internal holiness this this soul and the spirit holiness because many times uh, spirit and soul in the word are are used somewhat not always but somewhat synonymously because they are talking about the inner man uh, they're, they're talking about those things that pertain to our thinking and our will and our emotions our heart sometimes as it's even rendered that internal holiness that in eternal that eternal part of man the bible says here's how that inner man must be cleansed and i believe many are familiar with this but nonetheless the inner man is cleansed as first john 1 9 tells us if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there's that imputing of righteousness we were talking about last week, that thing that has been granted unto us. Only God has the ability of truly cleaning the human soul. Only God has the ability of cleaning the human spirit. That's accomplished by him. That, that's accomplished by his blood that uh, comes alongside us and helps remit those sins. The Bible says in Revelations 1 and 5, Jesus Christ who washed us from our sins in his own blood. The Bible says in 1 John 1 and 7, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so that is a work of heaven. That is a work of Calvary. Our good deeds, pious living, whatever you want to call it, will never accomplish our inward cleansing. That comes in him, by him alone, and by his blood. I can never attain that, quote unquote, from just external holy living. Can't do it. Amen. But he can accomplish it by his spirit. Amen. And he does accomplish it by his spirit. And it's a gift unto me again to keep. 
And whenever, years ago, the old uh, controversy was, when's the blood applied to a new believer's life? When's the blood applied? Is it applied when they receive the Holy Ghost baptized? And folks, I'm telling you, people bantered back and forth about when the blood's applied. But whenever I look at the Old uh, Testament type of the tabernacle, there was blood found at the altar when the animal was slain. There was blood found at the laver whenever he took it from the altar to the laver with the washing. And when you get in the holy place where the Ark of the Covenant is, blood was sprinkled upon the mercy seat. So in my, in my estimation, the blood is applied in your repentance, the blood's applied in your baptism, and the blood is applied in your infilling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The blood's all a part of the process. Amen. And so it cleans our hearts and it cleans our lives. And then after that, the responsibility, we were given a privilege by what he did on the outside, and now we're given a responsibility concerning the progression of that in our lives. The Bible says, another one of my favorite verses, anybody ever want, write these down from a funeral, you know, but Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Good purpose then why the Lord would say, cleanse that which is first on the inside. Because it's, remember, he says, it's not what a man takes into his body that defiles the man. He said, uh, idolatries and adulteries and murders, all those come out of man from his heart. And if we keep our heart from which all these different issues of life flow from, then it's, it's with good, good thought then. If we can get the heart clean, the source, then that will have impact upon other areas of our life. It would be like trying to clean up a river that has a source further up and it gets dirty again. Why? Because the source is where the real problem is. If you clean up the source, then everything that flows from there, all the other rivers and little creeks that flow from there, they're going to be cleaner because the source is clean. Amen. And so uh, we've been cleansed by the blood. So now where the responsibility as a Christian, Christian living falls upon us, we need to learn. And this is, I know a we need to learn to wash ourselves by the word of God. Part and parcel, one of the reasons why our Bible reading, Bible engagement is so important is that scripture tells us that the word washes us. The word washes us. What does James even say? And I'm not talking about Malone. What does James even say? That the man of God that looks into the word of the Lord and he reads it, it's as a mirror. And he sees as he reads it things that are maybe off kilter and not right. And if that man were to leave that and walk away and forget what manner of man he was, but we need not to just be a hearer but a doer also of the word, that we look into the word and it says, oh, here, there, and there, and we're like, oh, get that off, get that. You know what I'm saying? That we allow the word then to be an agent in washing us. The scripture says in John 15 and 3, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. First Peter 1 and verse 22, seeing ye have purified your souls in observing obeying the truth through the spirit he said you purified look at this you purified your souls by how by being obedient to the truth that's powerful he says in ephesians 5 and verse 25 and 26 christ also have loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word folks if the word is powerful enough to help wash us and purify us then a daily portion of the word will be good to maintain and keep our cleansing right 
and other things that might try to contaminate us in our lives along the way. So reading the word, hearing the word, showing up for church, hearing the preaching and the teaching of the word, all of that is helping your purity. Amen. All of that is helping your inward and your outward purity. And again, what David say in Psalms 119 and verse 11, thy word have I hid where? In my heart. So that I might not sin against thee. Why? Because I'm putting it there in the fountainhead of my heart. All other issues from life are flowing from there. And so, yes, internal holiness is important. Amen. For those various things. But also, external holiness is important as well. Vital as well. Authentic internal holiness will eventually result in external holiness. Holiness. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 12, we looked at this verse last week. We'll look at it again this week. And number one, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies. Everybody say bodies. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I want to read verse two just for good measure. And be not conformed to this world. We talked about this a few weeks ago on a Wednesday. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what? Is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? He says, present your bodies. Again, everybody say bodies. Bodies. Amen. And so I stated last week, this being the case, all the different things that he spoke of, that this is, this is not an unreasonable service. Holiness is an unreasonable service. For that matter, the sacrifice of your body. Ooh. It's not an unreasonable service. He begins with that we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. Now, listen, a very simple definition of the word sacrifice is this. It is to offer up, to give something that is dear and costly to us. He says, give your bodies as a living sacrifice. Our bodies, the activities of our bodies are to be offered up unto God. Here's the fact. Even when it's inconvenient, even when it's displeasing to our natural man, even when it's unpleasant to us. Someone say amen. Offering our bodies is sacrifice. It's costly, Sister Malin. I heard your voice up there. It's costly to us. (laughs) If it were easy, and had no cost to it, it wouldn't be considered sacrifice. Amen. It's our living sacrifice. Amen. And so uh, consider, if, if you will, the Bible speaks in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 24 and 25. And I don't, did you guys get this in the Amplified for me? I specified it. So, hey, you guys are good. The sins of some men are conspicuous. Openly evident to all eyes. If you want to know what conspicuous means, there you go. Going before them to the judgment seat and proclaiming their sentence in advance. But the sins of others appear later. Following the offender to the bar of judgment and coming into view there. So also. There's the connector. So also. Good deeds are evident and conspicuous, meaning they're before the eyes of all men. And even when they are not, they they cannot remain hidden indefinitely. 
in essence, deeds really, good or bad, all hidden things, Scripture says, will become to light. Amen. In its proper time. And so we want to live our lives not with sinful deeds or activities, but we want our bodies to be honorable unto the Lord. The Bible says in Romans 6 and 12, let not sin, everybody say sin, therefore reign. Reign. That means to be king or to exercise kingly power or control. Let not sin have the highest influence. It means all these things. Let not sin have the highest influence in your, look at it now, mortal body. Mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Amen. And so what we got to practice, I know sometimes we get it right, sometimes we get it wrong in our Christian lives. We got to practice self-denial. We got to practice that fruit of the Spirit that's called temperance. Uh-huh. Right. We, we, we got to practice self-denial in order to follow the Lord. The Bible says in Matthew 16, Jesus told his disciples, this is something he told them right up front. He said, if any man will come after me, let him what? Deny himself. Abstain, disown himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Amen. And so that means deny your passions, deny your desires, deny your preferences, and uh, uh, assume my preferences, assume my desires. Brother McGee, I just can't do that. Listen, when you get to a place that you fall totally loving God, it's not like, well, I can't do that. It happens. Right. I, I, don't, I don't know how else to explain that. It's not like something I effortlessly just think about. I got to do, I got to do. No, no, no. When you fall in love with him, it just comes as a... a it's a whole lot easier. Yeah, amen. amen. It's a whole lot easier when you just love the Lord with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The Bible even tells us in Titus 2.12, again, he told us that grace teaches us some things, and things that grace taught us was this, denying, all right, that's action on our part, ungodliness and worldly lust. And so we got to bring all of those appetites that we were born with, and that has been cultivated in our sinful lives. We've got to bring all those appetites and desires of the flesh under control to the spirit that hopefully you have received. And if you have not, then that's what you need to look at first. You need, if you're thinking, well, Brother McGee, I can't do all this outside stuff. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost, shelve that for a while and concentrate on getting filled with the spirit of the Lord and let him impute and grant righteousness and holiness to you by his spirit. All right? But if you have the Spirit, then concentrate on yielding to the Spirit you have so that you can keep what He's given you. Amen. Amen. Concentrate on yielding. Sometimes that's the hardest spot, you know. People get the, the red light and the green light fine. It's the yellow light when they got to yield that's difficult. Hell glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Figuratively and literally. <laughs> I attest, I know. <laughs> Amen. Because these things, listen, this is not something insignificant. It does impact our eternal destiny. The Bible says in Romans 8 and verse 13, for if ye live your lifestyle after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify, which means to kill, amen, kill the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And so we got to make the right choices with our lifestyles, amen, in accordance with the will and the purpose of God. 
Amen. The Apostle Paul even teaches us the necessity of denying the flesh, the necessity of controlling some of those carnal appetites in our life and bringing them under subjection. He said in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 27, but I keep under my body. Amen. I keep under my body and bring it unto subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And so Paul is relaying to us, if I didn't keep this man, if I didn't keep this man, I have the potential, though an apostle writer, two-thirds of the New Testament, I have the potential of being a castaway myself if I don't keep this man. So yes, it is vitally important. Amen. We got to keep the carnal body under, amen, in subjection to the spirit. Because again, when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, your body has become the temple of God. God dwelling in you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 tells us what? Know ye not your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have a God. And ye, everybody say, I'm not my own. Oh. I'm not my own. I'm not my own. I've just become a keeper. I've just become a guardian of the temple of the Lord. And it is a responsibility through the washing of the word, through the denying the ungodliness, through that keeping, that safeguarding. Again, we all know how to get dirty. It's just keeping clean. However many times, whenever I got ready before church as a young kid, my mom, when I asked her if I could go outside, yes, Paul Robert, you can go outside. Just don't get. Because she knew the propensity of a young child. They can be as clean as a whistle but they can get dirty in a moment. She wasn't asking me to get myself clean. She was just asking me to keep me in the clean condition she sent me out of the house with. Did I fail sometimes? Oh. Now, Mommy, this is not your turn right now. You need to stay still. <laughs> For that matter, in the New Testament, there is a stern rebuke upon those that defile the temple of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17, Know ye not that you are the temple of God? Here it is again. And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Question mark. If any man defile the temple of God, which that's what you are, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy. Which temple ye are God will not continue to live in a defiled temple. He will not continue to live in a temple that is contrary to his nature. He explicitly demands of us that if we deny our carnal lust and, and live after the spirit rather than after the flesh, he says, you're my temple, I dwell in you. But if you defile the temple, he says, we'll destroy the temple because your God is holy. Amen? I know that's heavy, isn't it? So being obedient. All the commands that the Lord puts in our lives in reality is to help us with our behavior and our lifestyle. It's to help us succeed. It's to help us succeed. And so when we look a little further here, I'll keep my eye on time here, trying to gauge where I'm going to land in. We looked at some of the purpose, right? Because really, what's the big deal, Brother McGee? What's the purpose 
of all this, this genuine holiness, this inside, this outside. Again, he told us that we were bought with a price and that we were to glorify God in our body and in our spirits. Holy and pure living inwardly and outwardly is a means by which we glorify. It really isn't about us. It's about him. But how we conduct us reflects on him. Amen. And so to glorify the Lord, the divine purpose of it is to bring glory unto the Lord. Our inside and outside purity and holiness lifestyle is a testimony unto our God or an indictment against him by the way that we choose to live our lives. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 16, verses that we've used all times, let your light so shine before. What? Men. Because here, just as much as people want to use the Samuel, well, God only looks at the heart. That's all he only cares about. When in reality, it's telling us that God sees beyond the outward and he can see to the depths of the heart. But when he told Samuel, he said, man, look upon the outward appearance. That should raise a flag for us. Let your light so shine before men. Before who? Men. Why? Because man can't see your heart unless what is expressed in your life. The light of God that you've received in your life has to be a light that they can see in the externals of your life in order to glorify your Father which is in heaven. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Look, if you will, at 1 Corinthians 4 and 9. It's just a little smidget of a phrase here. It says, for we... The Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Corinth, he says, for we are made, everybody say, a spectacle. I'm not talking about glasses. <laughs> Spectacles. <laughs> he says, we are made a spectacle. Literally interpreted, a public show. We are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. And so we need to perfect holiness in both body and in spirit. Amen. In doing so, we become a public showcasing, if you will, to the world, to angels and to men about what? The glory of our holy God. Amen. Right? Because he's still, Ephesians 5, 27, he's coming back for a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle. Or any such thing. He's coming back for a glorious church. And it should be what? Holy and without blemish. So God is God is holy. And he says, be ye holy for I am holy. It's all about the glory of the Lord. Here's another thing. So when we talk about giving God glory, we see that in the church service sometimes. I know we just kind of say it and people interpret all different. You know, give God glory. You know, what does that mean for some of you? For someone to stand up here and say, give God glory. Well, they're thinking, well, I need to raise my hand. They're saying, give God glory. Or I need to clap my hands. They need to give God glory. I need to say, hallelujah, Jesus, give God glory. Right? All these different things. Giving God glory may be praise. Giving God glory may be worship. Listen, so if holiness, if holiness, whenever we glorify God in our body and our spirit, we come to terms with the fact then that holiness is really a means and part of our worship. Consider Consider these verses of Scripture. You, you can find this same phrase, and I'm just going to put them to you. You can find the same phrase in Psalms 29, verse 2, 
or Psalms 96 and verse 9 or 1 Chronicles 16, verse 29. This same phrase, and it's basically this, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Interesting. When you read this literally translated, it is submit to Jehovah in the external adornment of separation. Read just a few other versions. I read it in the Amplified as well. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness and in holy array. The emphasized Bible translates, bow down to Yahweh in the adornment of holiness. The New American Bible says, worship the Lord in holy attire. Bishop, my inside and outside purity that I live each day, I'm not maybe even in the service. But I'm rendering worship to him because my inside and outside purity is giving glory. When I'm in the store and that inside and outside purity is there, I'm giving glory. I'm worshiping the Lord. When I go among the concourses of my life and work and that inside and outside purity is there, I'm, giving, I'm not in the church, but I'm worshiping. I'm, hallelujah. I'm worshiping the great king of glory. Amen. Because he's imputed something to me internally and I've endeavored to keep that external. Be a testament unto his name. I will not get through what I still yet, so just stand. This will be a good spot. We'll start talking next week a little bit about our manner of speech. All right? Our manner of speech. You know, and Brother Mason probably attested this, but the Jews with those little scrolls that they put in their phylacteries between their heads and on their arm and on the gateposts and many of them contain the Shema you know here O Israel the Lord our God is one Lord many Jews from what I have learned is that they kiss those scrolls before they ever put them on their arm they kiss them before they ever put them in their head and they don't just want them you know years ago they used to say that you know you wore your ring on your forefinger because there's a vein that went there all to your heart uh, circulation special that's what they thought but that's the reason why it was done but we put they put them on their hand and they want them in their mind they want them in the things that they do but they kiss them before because they also want them on their lips they want it to affect their speech and so we're going to talk a little bit about manner of speech next week waiting in and probably get into the aspects of this inside outside holiness in its uh, accomplishment of not just being separated from something but separated unto something right which I think is vitally important as well. So as we wade into these scriptural waters of truth, amen, for our lives, Christian living, amen. I'm going to pray today. We have service tonight here at 6. Service tonight at 6. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.